I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking. When we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Hi, this is Newt. Due to the virus, I'm recording from home. So you may notice a difference in audio quality. On this episode of Newt's World, The U.S. federal government and prosecutors have ramped up scrutiny into the Chinese government's influence buying and espionage operations on American campuses. From 2013 to 2019, 115 colleges have gotten monetary gifts and contracts from sources in mainland China, totaling $900 million over the course of six and a half years. Many of the Chinese contributions were listed as coming from anonymous donors, a practice experts say is an easy tactic that allows the Chinese to penetrate the U.S. education system. The issue of Chinese investment in U.S. universities and the lack of transparency is alarming. How is the U.S. Congress taking action? I'm pleased to welcome my guest, Congressman Guy Reschenthaler. He was sworn into office on January 3, 2019 to represent Pennsylvania's 14th Congressional District. He serves on the House Judiciary Committee and the China Task Force. He has become a leading voice in Congress on China. Congressman Guy Reschenthaler introduced the End Chinese Communist Citizenship Act legislation which would prevent members of the Chinese Communist Party from obtaining green cards. China accounts for one-third of the 1.1 million foreign students, according to data compiled recently by the Institute of International Education. Guy is really focused on this. 
115 colleges have gotten monetary gifts and contracts from sources in mainland China, totaling $900 million over the course of six and a half years. You can see how potentially big a deal this is. Guy, let me ask you first, what got your attention to this issue? Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. You know, what really got my attention of China was just sitting through so many of these briefings. Not only am I on the China task force, and I'm also on foreign affairs. And I was alarmed sitting through these briefings, hearing how the Chinese have really started to manipulate the individuals at our colleges and our universities, how they've engaged in corporate espionage to transfer intellectual property and advancements back to the mainland in China. And then compound that with the fact that last year I was fortunate. I got to travel to not only mainland China, but Hong Kong and Taiwan. And I started to see how aggressive China is, how they started to move on Hong Kong, how they want to threaten Taiwan, and frankly, how their ultimate goal is to replace the United States and to become the dominant power in the world. As you looked at it, and you really began to focus in on the universities and the colleges and the way the Chinese have penetrated American higher education, did that strike you as a really significant point of entry for us beginning to try to get a grip on the Chinese and their effort to steal intellectual property and to shape influence inside the U.S.? Well, yes, absolutely. I think that the Chinese are trying to do numerous things at once. First and foremost, they're trying to take our advances in everything from pharmaceuticals, artificial intelligence, to quantum mechanics. They're trying to take our advancements and send them back to mainland China. They're also financially just ripping off the United States taxpayer. And how they do that is this. The DOD or the NIH, some federal institution, will give these colleges and universities grants or contracts to study a particular area. The Chinese will then come in through their Thousand Talents program, and they'll start paying the students, the college professors, you name it. And they will then take our advances that we are funding as American taxpayers and they'll send that money back to China. So they're financially ripping us off and they're stealing all our gains so we cannot keep on the cutting edge. And the new, there's an ideological component of this. The Chinese are giving grants, they're engaging in contracts, they're sending billions of dollars to these universities and they're controlling not only the research, they're also winning the ideological war. So it's very hard for a college or a university to speak out against China or even have anti-Chinese viewpoints expressed in the classroom when these colleges and universities are to a large extent financially dependent on the Chinese. Can you give us some examples of the kind of influence shaping you're seeing? Yes. So let's just look at the pandemic that came from China. We know that the Wuhan Institute of Virology was engaged in researching biological weapons of mass destruction. We know that the Chinese are preventing colleges and universities from studying how that virus spread, and they're actually controlling what we can do. They're also encouraging these, they're called Confucius classrooms, and that's where Chinese propaganda is spread in our colleges and universities. They also have this tremendous influence financially on our colleges and universities. We're talking about six to seven billion dollars, and that's just what we think is going unreported in money going to these colleges and universities. 
one third of all the foreign students coming to the United States are Chinese, and they're paying 100% tuition to these colleges and universities. So not only are the colleges and universities getting these millions, really billions of dollars from the Chinese, they're also reliant on the tuition payments from the Chinese students. So they've got their talents in these colleges and universities, and they're exploiting them and controlling them, not only from the advances they're making, they're also from an ideological point of view, controlling what's being taught and what's being researched in these universities. I get the impression that the Chinese monitor our universities probably better than we do. Without a doubt, they do. The Chinese have a concept where it's military-civilian fusion, and that's roughly what it translates to. What that means is this. If you're a civilian in China, you're really an asset of the Chinese military. So when they send these students to the United States, those students are obligated to report back to China, or sometimes they'll have handlers that are in the United States. But they're reporting back to the Chinese Communist Party what's being taught in these universities. And if one of their fellow students steps out of line, that's being taught. And the Chinese can put significant pressure on the family that's back home. The parents are used as leverage really to control these students. So we know that that's going on. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Let's just look at Huawei, for example. We know that Huawei is sending millions of dollars to these colleges and universities. If we allow these colleges and universities and we adopt 
Huawei for our, our upgrades in technology, they can then use Huawei as a backdoor to just overtly spy on these college universities and frankly, all Americans for that matter. Huawei is a good example because it's becoming the worldwide dominant figure in 5G, largely because the U.S. government has been so slow in responding to it. Here's a system which is going to give the Chinese communists access to information gathering on a gigantic scale. And if they end up being embedded in many of our most advanced universities, and I know, for example, that both Caltech and MIT are among the places that Huawei has focused on, those are hotbeds of very advanced research that allow the Chinese to steal our ideas, develop them without having to pay the research cost, and in some cases actually field them faster than we do. So what they want to do with Huawei is they want to use that 5G network as a way to backdoor spy on the United States and frankly members of the world. And the Chinese ultimate goal is to become what Saudi Arabia is to oil. They want to become that to data. And we in the West sometimes forget that data is the new frontier. And if we control the information and data that's traveling through 5G and elsewhere, that's a big deal. So if the Chinese want to take this dominant position, again, like Saudi Arabia had taken the position when it came to oil, that's going to be a big problem because data can be viewed as a resource. And they can use that resource not only to spy on us, but think about it. If they have a backdoor way to control our data system, they can freeze data, they can manipulate it. It's a problem. The Chinese are overtly trying to control the colleges and universities through Huawei. And Huawei itself has given over $20 million to some 15 or 20 colleges and universities just in recent years. And that includes some of the big universities. We're talking Berkeley, MIT, Princeton, Cornell. And these universities aren't always reporting that. So for example, Yale has failed to report roughly $350 million just in the last few years. So there might be even more money that's coming from Huawei and the Chinese Communist Party into our colleges and universities. So in addition to the research side, how concerned are you about these Confucian Institutes and how do they actually work? We're trying to look more at exactly how the Confucius rooms work, but we think that they're using these rooms to spread Chinese communist propaganda. And that could be everything from an ideological point of view to the downplaying of events such as Tiananmen Square. It's an ideological front in what I view as a Cold War on China, but they're definitely moving to control the narrative that's being taught in our classrooms and at the very least, use those rooms as an outlet to spread the propaganda. You hear from these universities, they have, quote, safe spaces. I hate to refer to it as a safe space for the Chinese Communist Party members that are here studying, but it's certainly a place for them to go use these rooms to get out information from the Chinese party to distribute to American students and other students at these institutions. You have both this undergraduate kind of focus on what the conversation is allowed to be, and then you have a graduate and postdoc focus on finding very advanced research to steal. I've talked both with the Department of Education and the Department of Justice, and in both cases, I was surprised to learn that many of these universities do everything they can not to provide the information. Have you had the same experience? I've had two different kinds of experiences, Newt. In talking to some of my universities, 
they tell me that they don't have the resources and they don't have the coordination with the FBI to really go after which students have been co-opted by the CCP or have been sent here from the PLA to actually spy. That's one thing I'm hearing from our universities. The other that I'm hearing is the universities don't want to give up this information. They've fought a Freedom of Information Act request to turn over some of the information. But luckily, the Trump administration that's forward-leaning on this, I've got a lot of faith in Secretary DeVos, and she has started to look into this and get more information. But one thing that I want to do, and I've started to look at legislation, I want to see if we can have increased fines and penalties for professors that fail to disclose that they're getting paid by the Chinese Communist Party. I also want to look at members of the college's administrative staff and see what we can do if they fail to report. Because not only is it problematic that they're working hand in gloves sometimes with the CCP, getting paid by them and then sending our research back to mainland China, but just their failure to report is enough We don't know the true extent of the problem, and they're breaking the laws that were written in the 1960s. I've got a bill that would stop Chinese Communist Party's members from getting green cards in the United States. We need to get this bill done because we can't allow members of the CCP to get green cards and to become citizens of the United States because once they gain access, they will then embed themselves in not only our universities, but in our companies engineering companies, tech companies, pharmaceutical companies, medical research facilities, and send all that information back to China. So we've got to be really hawkish on that. And I'm looking forward to getting that bill passed. One of the reasons I want to have you on this podcast is that you're showing terrific leadership in taking on this issue and in doing it in a constructive and a positive way and coming up with a legislative solution that people who hear the podcast should call their member of the House and urge them to co-sponsor your bill and help move your bill. In addition, what strikes me, I'll use the example which is going to come up in the campaign of the University of Pennsylvania because Joe Biden has a center there. And between 2014 and 2019, they reported 53 contracts from China, 81 monetary gifts. The total is $77,914,000 from China. Now, The university doesn't necessarily want to report all this to the American government, but you know the Chinese government knows it. The fact is, all this stuff is tracked by the Chinese. They know exactly who they're giving money to. They know why they're giving them the money. The only people who don't know is the American government. I am personally really incensed that these universities think that they're somehow beyond patriotism and that they can take money from the Chinese dictatorship not reported and feel good about it. It just strikes me that it's totally crazy. And I'm not just picking on the University of Pennsylvania, but this is true in place after place after place. Foreign funding to the University of Pennsylvania has risen more than threefold since the opening of the Penn Biden Center. Apparently, it jumped from $31 million in 2016 in foreign funding at the University of Pennsylvania to over $100 million last year. That's a lot of money to one university So why is it that there's a sudden explosion of money for the University of Pennsylvania coming out of China? That's why what Secretary DeVos announced at the Department of Education back in February 12th, that they're going to dig into these things and start making these schools report accurately and frankly, simply obey the law.
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. I think what you're doing is so important because you and the task force you're on are beginning to pull together the information that can really educate the American people. Do you want to talk to us a minute about how you see the task force evolving? Yes, Newt, I would love to. And let me just say this. I think that our focus for the last 20 years has been in the Middle East. I was a freshman in college when 9-11 happened, and clearly that changed my worldview And it made me focus, just as it did most people, on the Middle East for security. During that 20-year period, though, we lost sight of what was happening in Asia. And what we've seen in Asia is a growing and adversarial China. And now I strongly believe that our next challenge is going to come between the West, led by the United States, and China. And you can see China getting more aggressive just this week. They killed 20 Indian soldiers along the border between China and India. And this wasn't some friendly fire incident. There's some reports that they beat these soldiers with bats that had nails in them. We know they've taken moves in the Spratly Islands. We know that they're trying to block our access in the South China Sea. They're trying to erode our relationships with our allies in the East, Japan, Vietnam, Singapore, Australia. They're trying to undermine those relationships. And they've become increasingly hostile in Hong Kong. They started to crush the Hong Kong freedom fighters. They've rammed through legislation that takes over the security of Hong Kong, despite the treaty they signed with Great Britain. So we know China is getting more aggressive. They're already an adversary, but we're certainly going to be in conflict with them, at least in an economic and diplomatic sense. What the Chinese task force is designed to do 
is it's designed to look at this emerging threat and this problem and come up with legislative solutions for that problem. Now, I commend Republican leader Kevin McCarthy for having the foresight to put this together. Early on this year, he tried to work with Nancy Pelosi and get this to be a bipartisan committee. The thought was we'd have four or five Republicans, four or five Democrats. Chairman Engel and Ranking Member McCall would lead the task force. And Nancy Pelosi sat on her hands. She did not move forward. So Leader McCarthy, to his credit, said, we're going to stand this committee up. We're going to have 15 Republicans. It's going to be led by Ranking Member McCall. And we're going to take the leadership. But our ultimate goal is this. We want to have a group of Republicans that are committed to addressing the issues with China. We've got five different pillars, everything from how to combat them in education to military threats to ideological threats. And we're going to come up with solutions and we're going to come up with legislation. And then we're going to introduce that legislation. And if we can't get it passed this year with Speaker Pelosi, then we're certainly going to get it passed in 2021 when we have Speaker Kevin McCarthy. I couldn't agree more. This is a little bit like the period between 1945 and 1950, where we had to come to grips with the nature of the Soviet Union and the fact that it wasn't going to be the ally we had hoped it would be, and it wasn't going to keep its word. We were faced with a very aggressive Chinese communist dictatorship. And I want to ask you about that because you were going through a list, which I agree with entirely, about different manifestations of their aggressiveness. Why do you think under Xi Jinping, who's the general secretary of the Chinese Communist Party, why do you think they have become so substantially more aggressive than they were 10 years ago? There's so many reasons, but what it comes down to is this, and forgive me if I get a little ideological here, but they're controlled by ideology. We have President Xi. I actually would like to call him dictator because he's made himself president for life. He's now the most powerful leader China has seen since arguably Mao. And Xi is more communist than the Chinese Communist Party. He is a true believer. He's an ideologue. And what he wants to do is he wants to really take Lenin's idea and move it forward. He views himself as the vanguard of the communist movement. We sometimes in the West seem to downplay ideology. The Chinese Communist Party does not. It truly believes in the Marxist-Leninist thoughts of revolution spreading the movement. But why he is so motivated, why President Xi is so motivated is this. After Tiananmen Square, China learned a lesson that it takes about 20 years for the world to forget about transgression. So it took about 20 years for the world to really back off the atrocity that was Tiananmen Square. Just like the world has backed off the free Tibet movement, where you saw China come into Tibet and horrible atrocities. And that's important for this reason. Once we hit 2049, that's going to be the 100th year anniversary of Mao defeating Chiang Kai-shek and the Nationalists. So it's going to be their 100th mark of Chinese Communist-controlled party ruling mainland China. So they want to have a big celebration. They want to be the world dominant power by that point without any criticism. So take that time frame of 20 years from the Tiananmen Square Massacre. They want to have everything wrapped up by 2029 so that by 2049, they can have celebrations that are unblemished by, let's say, taking Taiwan, let's say, expelling Uyghurs or controlling Uyghurs in the western part of China, exerting influence over Hong Kong and crushing the democracy that is Hong Kong. 
exerting influence in the South Pacific by building more artificial islands, taking islands in the Spratleys and so forth. So their ideological calendar is accelerating. And that's why I think that between now and the next 10 years, you're going to see an adversarial China, a China that is much more ideological than it has been in the past, and one that is truly committed to surpassing the United States and upending the World War II order that was established at the Bretton Woods Conference, right, where you had free markets, a West that was dominated by freedom and free trade and so forth. They want to completely push that aside and emerge as a dominant power and an authoritarian state at the head of the world order. And that's what we're dealing with, Newt. I apologize for getting ideological, but we've got to get ideological if we want to understand the Chinese and President Xi. When I wrote Trump versus China last year, as we did the research, we were really struck with, and this was a mistake on my part, and I said so in the book, I had really underestimated the depth of Deng Xiaoping's commitment to Leninism and Stalinism. Going back and rereading that period and looking at his, having spent a year as a young man at the Lenin University in Moscow, looking at the degree to which he and Mao revered Stalin. When Khrushchev made his famous secret speech denouncing Stalin, they were both deeply offended because they regarded Stalin as a wonderful leader who had done many great things. I always call uh, Xi Jinping the general secretary because that's his real power base. He's general secretary of the Communist Party. He is the chairman of the military committee for the People's Liberation Army, which is actually the military arm of the Chinese Communist Party. It's not the government army, it's the Chinese Communist Party army. And then, of course, he is president of China. They always want to use the word president because they know that it makes him sound normal, but he's not normal. By our standards, he is an ideological Leninist dedicated to a totalitarian system and willing to kill as many people as he has to to advance his cause. I want to tell you that I think what you're doing has been just tremendously important in organizing and speaking out, and I hope you'll continue to be very, very active in what you're doing in the Congress. I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to help educate us. Well, Newt, thank you so much. And I just want to take time to thank you for all you've done for the conservative movement. I grew up in the 1990s. I was a political junkie even back then. And I can tell you that what you did with the Contract of America, what you did to really revitalize the conservative movement, it was really an inspiration to me as a younger person. And I know it's certainly an inspiration to the other millennials that are in Congress. So I just want to thank you for being at the helm for so long and being a role model for my generation of conservatives. So thank you and all those kind words mean a lot coming from you, I appreciate it. Thank you to my guest, Congressman Guy Reschenthaler. You can read more about China's investment in US universities on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newt's World is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Debbie Myers and our producer is Garnsey Sloan. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Pendon. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. Please email me with your questions at gingrich360.com slash questions. I'll answer them in future episodes. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcasts and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. 
from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work.